Reese and Reynolds are in an interrogation room in the restricted zone. Reynolds is supposed to be French. This is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Monsieur David Saint-Ibenieth, are you an artiste? Have you been having a persistent ranging in your ears? Oh, you mean like a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah I have, Chris. Have you recently had a close encounter with something very unusual? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I've got a thousand couple of goddamn questions of my own. How come I know so much? What the hell is going on around here? I'll tell you what is going on. You're listening to Bigger Pictures with Chris Reynolds and Reese Davis Saint-Ibenieth. You're listening to Bigger Pictures, the best, well, the own, um, it's free. It's a podcast about movies and getting more out of them. Chris, last episode, I was an angry man, possessed by the spirit of Vinnie Jones. Today I'm happy to say I've worked through that conflict, and I'm going to find a happy ending. You might think it a bit schmaltzy, but I am Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. And the real Venn diagrams were the friends we made along the way. I think the most worrying thing is you're suggesting that Steven Spielberg uh, gives us lots of happy endings, uh, which is a phrase I don't think you've thought through. Steven Spielberg is a very sexual man, Chris. He gives everybody happy endings. <laughs> Massages with Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. He's got magical fingers, Chris. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's magical fingers. Guaranteed to give you a happy ending. Yep. Well, that was not the way I expected to start this podcast off. On the subject of having happy endings... Oh, God. <laughs> Reese, have you ever had a close encounter with an... <laughs> no. Have you ever had a close encounter with an alien? I thought at one point I did. And I was playing football because I was part of a youth football, football. team. Football? Football, yeah. What, with you know. Vinnie Jones? Yeah, Vinnie Jones is there, is he? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was the team manager, so I got all my rage from. Uh, no, yeah, we, we were playing uh, football late one night, and uh, there was this orb that came just hurtling towards me, and then it just it hit me, literally in the face, because uh, it was the football, and that's how I found out I needed glasses, because I couldn't tell what it was, even though it was only like a metre or two away. Very painful way to find out you need glasses. How about you, Chris? Ooh, you that's ever... a good question. When I, I, I once fell into a bush, and I'd like to think that that was the fault of aliens, but I might have just been really, really drunk. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But it's funny, Reese. you mentioned being hit by a football in the face, because technically, if that were an alien, that would be a close encounter of the third kind, in the sense that you had physical interaction with the alien. Oh, so like uh, meeting Steven Spielberg. Is always a close encounter of the third kind. He he often gives. Is Steve N. Spielberg an alien? Well, uh, his happy endings are out of this world. Well, <laughs> good to know that this has come down this rabbit hole really quickly. Well, there are two earlier kinds of encounters with aliens. There's the close encounters of the first kind, which is a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object. But of course, there is also the second kind, which is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged, as in that it tends to leave a mark of some sort. I thought we could start this podcast by talking about what if there was a prequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, one being the Close Encounter of the First Kind, and one being the Close Encounter of the Second Kind. Uh, do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, I... Uh, okay, let's... Uh, I'll let you go first. You can have no. a... <laughs> close no, come on. Yeah. What would the movie Close Encounters of the First Kind be, Chris? Well, you see, now, obviously we haven't talked too much about Close Encounters of the Third Kind today, but there is a Frenchman in it who is, I think, one of the best characters. So I thought, for my take on Close Encounters of the First Kind, have a look at perhaps his background. So I've called mine Close Encounters of the First Kind... 
colon, The Whiff of France. And it's a European <laughs> art cinema film starring Francois Truffaut, who is the uh, reprises his main role as Claude Lacombe in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. So my story goes something like this. Claude is an onion farmer to the southwest of Marseille, along with his brother René, who is played by Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking this very seriously. One day, René goes missing, and Claude suspects foul play. He leaves his field with his pet donkey and starts to investigate. Claude enters a cafe and lights a cigarette. He orders an aperitif and a croissant. He smokes. <laughs> I love how French this is. At the far end of a bar, a mysterious woman played by Gillian Anderson, dressed solely, <laughs> dressed solely in red, smiles at him. He smiles back. She raises an eyebrow. He drags on his cigarette. They share a passionate glance. He stubs out his cigarette, looks directly at the camera and says, No. <laughs> the, camera, <laughs> the camera pans around to the donkey and they leave. The screen fades to black with the title Finn. In a cutscene at the end, it's revealed that Renee has just fallen down a hole. Now, you may be saying to me, Reese, where was the close encounter of the first kind in that film? And you'd be right to ask that question. Um, <laughs> my answer to that would be the close encounter of the first kind is figurative. It is interpretive. Was the donkey the first kind? was the woman the first kind. Of course, the aperitif and the cigarette and the croissant cannot have been the close encounter of the first kind because he consumes them within it, and that would be a close encounter of the third kind. But that's the question for you to answer. That was fantastic. Mwah! Chef's kiss. I was a bit disappointed. I was trying to think... I mean, I was going to make it really long and endless and just have loads of shots of him staring off into the sky and then slightly weird things happening. <laughs> but I thought that would sum it up enough, really. And you could see that film being about two hours long. Oh, at least. And then you've got the director's cut and you've got the, the 10th anniversary re-release. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but with Close <laughs> Encounters of the Third Kind. All the films are doing something different. Starring Vinnie Jones in a hole. Close <laughs> Encounters of the First Kind. Bonjour. Monsieur, ça va, ça va, je suis fallen in hell. So he'd speak French, of course, but he'd speak it in a Vinnie Jones way. Bonjour, Claude. <laughs> um, and, and it would be... Who had a bibliothèque? <laughs> J'adore Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's great. Do you, do you think they'd have a scene where like, they're set in like a little cottage and they just get served a Viennetta? And just between the two of them, like like they're wearing like with, with the donkey poking its head through the window. <laughs> or, I, I think it's it's slipped from uh, French cinema now. It's <laughs> Viennetta doesn't seem very French. Well, is Viennetta actually from Vienna? The mysteries of the universe, Chris, are, are infinite. Uh, that that was my take on Close Encounters of the First Kind. In, okay. in your Close Encounters cinematic universe, how? <laughs> what was your Close Encounter of the Second Kind? So. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise you were going to go so highbrow with your prequel. I thought Close Encounters sounded a little bit like Missed Connections. Right. So it's like it's like a rom-com movie. <laughs> uh, okay. So my, my take is... Um, <laughs> it'd be like Harry Styles. Right. Right. Very famous. Harry Styles plays the role of uh, Mark, who is a man with no musical talent. Yes. And a member of the British UFO Research Organisation. You know, the people who kind of search for... Scientific... Oh, well, that's very on topic, yes. Yeah, well, okay, so mm. one night on the way home from... Yes. The pub? 
I guess. He's kind of stumbling home drunk and he hears some interesting musical tones. Oh. Uh, you know, like the ones from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And he follows those down a dark alley and gets abducted by an alien played by Taylor Swift. Right. Uh, he wakes up the next morning in his bedroom and is supernaturally imbued with musical ability. But also yes. with this sense of longing for the alien woman he met up with the night before. As you do. He goes on Reddit and then posts on r slash Close Encounters and kind of writes his Lonely Hearts column. I was a lonely London lad. You are my musical Martian with a twinkle in your eye. Hit me up next time you're on my side of the galaxy, baby. <laughs> you know, anyway, like Taylor Swift comes back, re-abducts him, this time with his consent, yes. and uh, their love affair begins. However, when the world finds out about Mark's intergalactic girlfriend, yeah. it, it is, the whole world turns upside down, and he has, you know, with the help of Bephora, Mark and Mindy, who would be Taylor Swift's name, <laughs> must escape not just the paparazzi, but also the FBI. Yes. And uh, spoilers, since Close Encounters of the Second Kind is of Mark left behind, the movie would end with Mark getting left behind. So- that's, that's how I justify it. <laughs> so basically, you've taken a pun on the Close Encounters of the Second Kind uh-huh. and made a film which actually is about a Close Encounter of the Third Kind. Well... But have ruined... <laughs> because he gets picked up. Yeah. Like, that is that is a Close Encounter of the Third Kind. <laughs> Did you say the couple's name was Mark and Mindy? Yeah. Like the Robin Williams TV series. Yeah, which is an alien, yeah, alien series. Can I ask? <laughs> it's, it's multiple puns. It's, it, it's like, you know, it's like an onion. It's got layers. It, it, it's a pun with many layers, Chris. It's a multi-pun. More value that way. Can, <laughs> can I ask another question about this film? So you mentioned he <laughs> develops like... I don't know if my film would hold up to all these questions, no, no, you, but go You mentioned ahead. he develops like singing. Yes. Like, who would do the soundtrack for the film? Because, of course, you could have Harry Styles or Taylor Swift, but that'd be too easy. I'd quite like to see it scored by, like, Blur, or, like, someone (laughs) really, or Madness, or someone really inappropriate. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I would go for that very uh, mainstream music. Because that's that's what this movie is, Chris. It's a rom-com. Don't overthink it. Okay. It's 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 got love. It's got puns. That's all you need. It, That's all you need in the it, film. In the close encounters of the whatever kind um, cinematic universe, yeah. uh, which of our which of the films do you think would be the biggest disappointment? <laughs> Bear in mind, mine doesn't actually seem to have an alien encounter at all, and he's just a French man and his donkey sat at a bar, which is basically Shrek in France. Um, <laughs> I, I just would be interested to know where you would stand on this. I, th- I think my film would be a bigger disappointment because your one doesn't set itself up as being anything other than a very French <laughs> movie. Whereas mine is at least suggesting that it's got mainstream appeal. But it would be 90 minutes of puns, basically, because that, that is what I would write. The, I forgot to mention the soundtrack of mine would probably be done by Engelbert Humperdinck and it would just be him on an accordion in the background for most of the film. <laughs> I think I would quite like it to be like French jazz. But I don't quite know what that would be, but I feel like that's Ooh. what it should be. That is definitely, yes. Now that you've said it, of course. They're just sitting at a bar and there's just some jazz playing and it's like uh, two and a half hours of jazz and <laughs> characters looking at each other meaningfully <laughs> or suggestively. I, I think there'd have to be a scene in mind where someone orders like some peanuts and nobody knows who it goes to and there's lots of <laughs> tense looks in the bar and it leads nowhere. <laughs> Or the these nuts? I don't know. Did you? No, I thought you did. Oh, it was not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> do do do. Um, 
<laughs> well, on which note, obviously we've proposed two better versions of Close Encounters than Steven, Steven Spielberg. What is Close Encounters of the third kind of bout, Reese? Uh, directed and written by Ish Steven Spielberg Close Encounters is the story of Roy who is seeing strange lights in the sky Gillian whose son is missing and together they must journey to the mountain that appears to them in their visions in order to discover the truth about visitors from another world and there's some government people with a Frenchman yeah yeah well I saw the director's cut it was uh, I think about two and a half hours yeah. maybe three hours mm-hmm. of not very much happening. See, now this is where we're going to disagree, and I, I'm going to get straight into the happy ending of Steve N. Spielberg. <laughs> and so th- the question really is, what is the film about? What I think is really interesting about it is it's a lot about isolation and about someone who is committed to something or, or fascinated by something that nobody else seems to understand and in the end finds peace with it. At heart, I think that's its kind message. It's not another movie where they fight Thanos. <laughs> it's where he searches for his heart and he finds his heart by getting on an alien spaceship and ignoring everyone else in his life. <laughs> Reese, your take. Well, that, that's one of the things I thought was really weird about the movie, was that you know, Steven Spielberg is famous for... His movies tend to reaffirm this idea of, like, finding your family. Yes. And, like, originally that was, like, the nuclear family. Like, the end of E.T. is about re-establishing the nuclear family. And later films like uh, Ready Player One, it's about, like, your social family. But this movie was the opposite of that. At the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Roy Neary abandons his family. He just buggers off. He buggers off. And, like, (laughs) I was convinced the whole way through he was going to hook up with Gillian, the mother of uh, Barry, the kid who gets abducted at the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, they share a kiss on the mountainside and then he just kind of leaves. And, and she's like, she says like, oh, I can't go any further. And he's like, I've got to go further because that's the thing. Only he believes in himself. Mm. Only the Frenchman understands him. Yes. That's the yeah. thing. At the end of the film, Claude Lacombe, he's like, I wish I could go with you. Uh, I should point out, Claude Lacombe is played by Francois <laughs> Truffaut, who's a really famous director, um, uh, actor. And movie critic. And movie critic. Right? And Spielberg was like, I just want this man. And then he was like, yeah, I do the film. <laughs> I want to be wanted by you, Steven. Touch me with <laughs> your magic fingers. <laughs> what I think is really fascinating about this is the whole Spielberg and Indiana Jones style adventure. There's like a ship in the middle of the desert. There's a load of planes hanging around. There's some people singing and pointing at the sky. You've heard this music. And it's a, a proper world traveling thing. But it's that whole mystery adventure thing that he builds. But interestingly, the main character's not involved in that at all. He's off sitting in a house <laughs> having an argument with his family about watching the Ten Commandments, but you're pulled back into the kitchen sink drama. I I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, Indiana Jones was not the first Spielberg film that I compared this to when I was watching it. So obviously they're the the E.T. comparisons because they're both sci-fi films. Uh, I was getting strong vibes of Jurassic Park. Really? Yeah, well, there is something about how Spielberg does reveals of large-scale elements. Yes. If you watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind or... uh... (laughs) CEO T3K, as I like to think of it. (laughs) There's a moment when Roy and Jill are heading towards the Devil's Tower, the mountain that they've been like having visions of. Yeah. And they're coming over a ridge and then you see it in the background. Mm. And just that shot felt so much like when Jurassic Park, they arrive at the park, they step out of the Jeep and there's like that swell of music and then you see the dinosaurs. Ah, ah, but I think think I've worked it out, Reese. what what you're talking about. You're talking about not just Spielberg, but... 
John Williams. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, they. Yes, John Williams yes. scored this. He scored Jurassic Park, he and he scored, scored everything. everything. Yeah, <laughs> epic rap battles of history have that line where um, half your billion should go to John Williams. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know the line, um, and it's true. <laughs> I do know that. they're inseparable, <laughs> and they, they work fantastically well together. But it's, that yeah. was almost a close encounter of the turd kind. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but there won't be a happy ending this time. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to let you finish your point. Spielberg, he reveals things with John Williams. So that moment really stood out to me. And then also when we first meet Roy Neary's character in his family setting, yeah. he's trying to teach his first son about math and trying to get him to engage with math Fractions. by setting two trains on a, a toy train set on a collision course. And if his son will answer in time, he'll stop the trains from crashing. There is a really famous speech that Steven Spielberg gave where he talks about how he fell in love with cinema by having a toy train set and he'd make the trains crash into each other again and again. He'd break the trains and his father would repair them and eventually his father was like, well, you know what, Steven? You keep doing this. I'm, I'm anymore. I'm not going to repair your trains for you. Mm. And so Steven Spielberg remembered they had a little movie camera at home and he decided to film the train set so he could break them and then keep watching it back again and again. And I thought that was so cool that he included that in this movie. He included like a little homage to his inciting moment when he fell in love with film. What would be your inciting moment for a podcast? Like for when you came up with this podcast? Like if you were to... well, apart from when you you turned to me one day at the puzzle, hey Rich, you want to do a podcast? I was like, all right. Then. We should include that sure, moment not? in the podcast in this podcast, <laughs> even though I've, I haven't got a pint of beer with me. We can get really meta. I think Chris, actually, it was when we were we were sat in a French wine bar. <laughs> you turned to me, and I was a donkey, <laughs> and we knew. I looked at you, and you, and I went, we oui. Finn. <laughs> Can, can I mention one very quick thing? Yeah. Which yeah. is, I quite like how Spielberg tries to make these things believable. And you mentioned Jurassic Park just now, which I'd totally forgotten about. I've, there's the bit where the Velociraptor, it's walking past a table and you've got that view of its feet coming down, but it's framed in the everyday. Yeah. And that's what I, I like about this. And... and very much what I liked about Nope is that this is framed in the everyday. Mm. We've got vacuum cleaners going crazy. We've got mailboxes doing stuff. There's a car that starts and the radio does something. And that's what, to us as an audience, makes us believe it, I think. Well, you mention how um, this movie is really... It has the main plot of the aliens, but what you want to do is go back to that kitchen sink drama. Yes. Going into it, I was waiting for that kind of sense of re-establishing the family. Yes. When we meet Roy, he is very much, you know, the father in a dysfunctional family. Yes. Really darkly lit as well. It's all really dark. Really dark. Really not what I've come to expect from Spielberg. Yes. And the whole time I found myself wondering, like, what is the catalyst that's going to disrupt this family and take Roy out of it or provide him with some distance so that he can find his way back or find himself into another relationship? Yeah. Does that make sense? Because that's that's where I, where I thought the film was going. Yeah. And what it turned out to be, well, it very much wasn't mental health, which I think is worth talking about. You know, when Roy has his close encounter with the aliens, Mm. he locks himself in the bathroom, turns the shower on like max heat and seems to just sit in there sobbing. His wife picks the lock on the door and, uh, you know, she kind of bursts in and starts screaming at him. His son comes (laughs) in and starts screaming at him to stop being a crybaby. And I thought, wow, culturally, we've come such a long way. Yeah from describing everything mental health related as a breakdown yeah. to where we are today. And I thought that was really interesting. But I, I, I've digressed. The, what I wanted to say was that what seemed to provide a catalyst for him breaking away from that family unit 
was that sense of creativity and creation. Mm. One of the things in the movie is that people who witness the aliens tend to develop some sort of artistic compulsion yes. to draw a form of a mountain. Or in his case, create a sculpture of one. Yes. And you were saying that one of the key scenes in this film is when he... Yeah, do you want to talk a bit more about that? I don't want to, don't want to no, steal no, that no, from no, you. No, 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 keep going. Go, 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 go. I was really hoping you were going to carry on. <laughs> Seamlessly run into so, it. Like, like, like Steven Spielberg's happy ending. <laughs> and now you've ruined it. You've stopped just before the point of climax. And... So, <laughs> I'll cut it out. It's fine. So, uh, what was I saying? That he... Uh, has a compulsion to sculpt things. And so one of the scenes where he does that, you know, he's been building a little uh, clay mountain in the middle of this train set that we mentioned yeah. earlier. Mm. And then he suddenly realises that, no, that's not enough. Mm. I need to go bigger. Yeah. And so he runs out into the garden <laughs> with just a dressing yeah. gown on and starts shoveling dirt through the window of the kitchen. Yeah. And then throwing bricks through the window. He, he steals the, the fence from around the neighbour's duck pond mm. and like chucks all of that in. And that is just more than his wife Ronnie can handle. She takes the kids and leaves for to stay at her sister's, I think. And then as soon as he's done, what I love about it is um, that Roy kind of steps back from his mountain and it's kind of floor to ceiling. It's a giant sculpture. He's covered in clay. He looks exhausted and a bit miserable, to be honest. He looks outside and he sees all the neighbours enjoying the sun, enjoying spending time with their family. And uh, that's a little bit how I feel when I finish editing one of these um, episodes. <laughs> well, they... I look outside and it's like, oh, look, I could have been enjoying life. And instead I've uh, I've done this thing that I felt compelled to well, do. One of the most fascinating, well, my favourite line in the whole bit is, as you said, he's been... Th- shoving dirt through the window he's, he's released all the ducks he, he's really you know <laughs> you know fighting against he's the, left a trail of chaos in he's his looking at the, the the normalization of society and he's sticking two fingers up at it and his wife dives into the car <laughs> throws the kids in and he says have you have you ever looked at something and it's crazy and you look at it another way and it's not crazy at all yeah and she's getting really fed up and she's about to go and she says you've lost it and he said I'm crazy. You're crazy. You're not even dressed because she's in the car, like trying to drive away from this man who's like ripping up the whole neighbourhood and causing all this turmoil. But this is what I find so fascinating is because it's his utter isolation, and he's at the end of that scene. Yeah, as you said, he's looking outside and he thinks, "What have I done?" As everyone else is outside playing in the sun, and he looks at his, you know, giant big sculpture. Yeah, and yeah. He's about to give in because he's phoning his wife saying, I'm sorry, I'll stop. Dear, 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 dear. She says no. And he's redeemed by television. But, you know, like, <laughs> and, and that's what I think is so fascinating because he is such an isolated character from the, from the second at the start. But the one thing that it doesn't, it slightly doesn't work for me on is the kids because he's really close to his kid trying to explain fractions and they clearly he clearly cares about the kid and then he just doesn't give a toss at all and goes off into space mm. and I, that to me is unexpected yeah yeah but sometimes I get very fed up of films doing the same thing following the same tropes and this doesn't really follow the same tropes because he doesn't do what you expect at the end does that make it a good film? I don't know. Like, it, it's a kind of complex ending. I left the film feeling slightly underwhelmed. I was hoping for more, something wrapped up. Yes. Uh, it didn't feel like it really gave me that. The movie started quite slowly. I didn't really know where it was going. I did, I loved the middle. Yes. I, I loved I did. the drama in the middle and I felt like a lot of Spielberg's personal passions he put into that. You know, in terms of the train set, maybe a philosophy towards creativity. The start, the cold open is great when you see the planes. Oh, yeah. And then just nothing happens for a while. Like, it's really really slow and in the middle as you said when he starts really getting going is great yeah what are the government doing in this i just can't (laughs) work out what they're meant to be doing i feel like 
the government are a, a solution to a structural problem. Mm-hmm. You've got the aliens. You need to get Roy and Gillian to the landing pad at the end so that when the aliens visit to release the abductees, you know, there's a reason for the aliens to be there. They're not just turning up out of nowhere. And you can have that sense of spectacle. Mm. And so the government are there to fill a role. They, you know, they impose barriers so that the public doesn't all swarm towards a devil's tower. Mm. But, you know, other than that, yeah, you're right. They're not really doing a whole lot. They're not, they don't have a, a... a purpose in themselves, really. They're not a dramatic for a purpose anyway to be there. Could we talk... You mentioned spectacle. And we talked about spectacle a lot last week when we talked about Nope. Yeah, yeah. In this film, unlike Nope, this is the this is the military, it's the researchers and Roy Neary. Oh, They've yes. gone to a huge amount of time and effort yeah. to be there to witness this spectacle. Whereas in Nope, it's someone with a camera down a well. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting juxtaposition because here we have all the resources and everything going into it. And Jordan Peele, I feel, looks at that and says, no way or nope, this is how I would do it. Mm. And you don't need to be Steve N. Spielberg. (laughs) Thoughts? Raise eyebrow. (laughs) So, first of all, I, I love how much you appreciate Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I just can't say his name anymore. You, you, yeah, you know, you raise a really interesting point. I guess there is like that sense that split when the ships turn up, mm. the, the scientists, they're trying to record it. They've got sound recording equipment and they've got the cameras. Yeah. And they're trying to like capture something of, you know, the spectacle. Yes. Whereas Roy, Gillian and the rest of the people who are kind of called towards Devil's Tower... There is that, you know, there's a split of um, their creatives. They're trying to capture a sense of something that isn't seen, right? Ah, I slightly disagree with you there. Well, Only but, slightly. But... Only slightly. And if you remember during the press conference as well, I think it's a press conference. Yes. Uh, when the local, like, space agency, I think, is talking to Roy Neary uh, and the rest of the locals after Gillian's son disappears. Mm. What was it? Yeah, he's saying that, you know... Um, there's a record number of Americans taking a record number of photos. Mm-hmm. Where is the incontrovertible photographic evidence of aliens if they exist? And one of the um, journalists speaks up and he says, you know, so I've been a journalist for the last 10 years or whatever. And never in that time has anyone actually captured a car crash as it's happening. Yeah. And I thought that was something really interesting, you know, saying something about creativity and its role in a world where you have to be somewhere to see something. And that's maybe where Spielberg finds himself and you know that he's not he's not depicting something as it is but something as i don't know can can i tell you the one where i slightly disagree with you yeah yeah because you said roy and the creatives really want to get there and be part of this experience and i agree with you there but i don't think jillian does i don't think jillian is interested in being there the only thing jillian is interested in is barry her son I mean, what kind of sadist names a kid Barry? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a different time, Chris. It was, you can't judge them by today's standards. What is Barry even? I've forgotten what it's short for. Is it like barreled or, or something? But anyway, <laughs> the key thing is she is there because she wants to be there for her family. And that's the only thing she... And that's the comparison between her and Roy. She can't go any further, but he can. Well, because, you know... But- Oh, but, go on, oh, but me, oh, Well, but no, me. I mean, you can say that's just um, a product of the time when, like, female characters weren't allowed to be as interesting as male characters. But I don't think it's, she's a female character. I, I think that she doesn't have the, the... She's different to Roy in the sense that she is there for another reason. She is there for herself, whereas he, he really isn't, I don't think. 
Well, they're both there because they have the vision. Yeah. They both have the vision of Devil's Tower. She she is an illustrator. You know, she she has illustrations up all over her wall mm. of Devil's Tower that she's kind of been obsessed with even before Barry disappears. Mm. You know, and that's kind of why she and Roy meet at the the mass evacuation scene at the train station. Yeah. You know, and they drive straight to Devil's Tower. And the only yeah, the only difference seems to be. Because that's what's decided. You know, they don't go into um, Gillian's psychology. They don't give her a chance to explain herself or to explain her reasoning. Just that's what she does. Yep, suck it. If I can ask you one last question about this film. Did you enjoy it or not? Because I, I wasn't sure which way you were going to go on this. I don't regret watching it. Mm. As I was watching it, I understood that a lot of films that I love have been referencing yes. or been inspired by Close Encounters. Most notably Muppets in Space. <laughs> yeah, carving shapes out of mashed potato definitely referencing this it's film. a bit where it's a bit where gonzo gets off the spacecraft for me in close encounters the third kind <laughs> hey i'm right <laughs> <laughs> me and piggy and fuzzy bear are having a great time um, <laughs> that probably doesn't sound anything like gonzo oh uh, that makes sense the little green man is kermit i get it oh yeah it's all starting to uh... hey Roy. Uh, that doesn't like kermit at all fuzzy bear i can do really well it's not it? easy being <laughs> Nah, my name is going to come on the plane with us. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so, you, but you did, I mean, for me, Close Encounters of the, the Third Kind is actually a 10 out of 10 film. High praise. Because I love the music. I love, I love how it's shot. I love, uh, I find the characters fascinating and it doesn't follow the tropes that I expect it to do. Uh, and that's why I really love it as a film. I admit that the start was a bit boring to rewatch, but I, I find it fascinating and, and such a cultural phenomenon that people just don't really know about. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it is an interesting film. It's important, I guess, in the history of cinema. But yeah, I can see why it's not more well known. I, it's not a film that I think I would have enjoyed just for its own sake. And it, that's probably why I haven't seen it before now. Mm. But no, it is it is really good. And I'm, I appreciate having watched it in the context of Nope. Are there any other films, aside from Muppets in Space, where you can see the influences <laughs> of Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yeah, so like sci-fi in general, I think uh, spaceships, the design of spaceships after this. Mm. I, I've got a feeling like Men in Black. Yes. Maybe the kind of spaceship design in Men in mm-hmm. Black and the kind of the... Yeah, that's all. And that sense of uh, not really trusting the government. They're trying to cover something up and hide things from us. That sort of plays out in the Men in Black thing as well. A- any uh, And then E.T., obviously. Yeah. A- any other films that have a, a, a an activity related to them that perhaps we're going to watch on the next show that I'm trying to cleverly lead you uh, on well, to? Well, that's, that's, not, that's not a film that connects to this uh. one. Nope. Sorry, you were trying to... Yeah, I, I thought maybe you were trying that. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's enough of this. Um, so because the whole series is about looking back at other films that we've loved within the context of Nope and seeing how they've done the same thing differently, yes. I thought we'd next watch a horror movie because we kind of looked at the sci-fi elements of Nope and specifically the movie Paranormal Activity. Oh, right. Have you seen Paranormal Activity, Chris? I've not. I've seen the Flintstones' Viva Rock Vegas, which I guess is similar <laughs> Throw that joke in again. It's <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's it's similar in the fact they're both movies. I think beyond is that, J- the similarities are slim. Is John Goodman in Paranormal Activity? Uh, I believe he's in the extended Paranormal Activity universe. <laughs> in the, the movie Viva Rock Vega probably exists. Wilma. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to seeing Paranormal Activity 
in the next episode. And I'm looking forward to watching the film Paranormal Activity. I'm sure both are going to be very exciting. I should say something better than that. That's rubbish. I've not seen Paranormal Activity. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And soon you will. <laughs> um, okay. <I'll... clears throat> well, that sounds a really interesting comparison, Reese, uh, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing that in our next episode. But sadly, I think that brings us to the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm sorry to listeners who heard me say Close Encounters of the Third Kind over and over and over and over again. <laughs> I, I think we could have called it Close Encounters the whole way through, or, or just Close or just see. <laughs> we must bring this episode to a close. I hope you've all enjoyed it. We look forward to seeing you next time on Bigger Pictures. Bye. Bye. The entire way through that, we never even mentioned do 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 do. Is that how it goes? Well, how can you do it and I'll do it back? Do 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 do. No, that's Jurassic Park. Do 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 do. That's do, just it. Now I've got do, Jurassic. Do do do. I've got Jurassic Park in do, my head now. Do 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 do. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> that's not the music. That's not the music from Close Encounters. <laughs> do, 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 do. Okay, let's stop. Let's stop there. Stop there. Stop. <laughs>